What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Dave. And this is Devin. And you're listening to the Dave and Dev Podcast. Dave and Dev. Gotta keep it real like Dave and Dev. On my job like Dave and Dev. Tell no lie like Dave and Dev. Some days I wanna stay in bed, but I get ready for the day ahead. I wanna complain, but I pray instead. Then I'm on my way to the Dave and Dev. And it go like, I don't need a crew. Don't play by he say, she say rules. Don't play, no, we can't do. I'd rather have faith while G.O.D. make moves. So please stay cool. All, all I do is speak the truth on things I see they do. I'm a sinner myself. No lie, I need grace too. We lit like EKU. Yeah. What's up, y'all? This is Dave. The episode you just clicked on is part two of an episode called Words Matter. If you have not heard the first episode, please go back and check it out. We're going to pick up right where we left off. Um, the thing the thing is, I mean, when we, uh, when, you, when we watch sports, for example, like, and so you see these coaches go off on these players. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's happened to me before with with coaches in the past. I'm sure it's happened to you before as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we, but people will say, "Man, that's just how it is, man. That's how, that's how these coaches talk," you know. And I kind of want to ask you, Dave, like, what were your opinions? Like, what are your opinions when it comes to athletics about people having that emboldened spirit to say whatever they want to say? Yeah, I, I think it's a problem because to me. You know, I, you know, from a professional standpoint, um, you know, the same thing could have been said previously about managers. You know, in the in the last ten years, I would say that management has completely changed. Uh, as somebody that is in um, a small management level position, like I see the importance that manager no longer is really the correct word. It's about being a leader. Uh, mm-hmm. boss is no longer really the quite correct word. It's about being, you know, a, a leader, you know what I'm saying? And leadership is respectful and they gain followers by being honest, uh, being vulnerable, being, you know, willing to get into the trenches. And so from a coach perspective, I see the same thing. It's about being a leader. It's about gaining buy-in from your team that that's, that respects you and, and loves you and cares for you and wants to be the very best for you and for them. Right. And so, you know, from what I see in coaching, I look at guys like Dabo Sweeney, like probably one of the best examples of this right now, um, just about how you see it. I mean, and granted, you, we don't see his practices and those sorts of things, but I mean, you see his reactions on the sideline. You see how he talks to his players. You see how he talks to the media. And you're just like, dang, like literally if I could pick one person to play for right now in the entire country, it would be him. Um, I I just love how he talks to his team. And what have they done? They've won two out of the last four national championships, right? Like like he's built a winning culture, and he didn't have to be a complete psycho to do it. You know what I'm saying? 
And look at the implications of what happened with Bob Knight. Like, I, that documentary, like, the, the parts where they were talking about the player that he, um, that he choked. Uh, yeah. It, it, that has – can you see the, like, real psychological long-term effect? Like, the dude, he sounded still scarred. And that's been what, like twenty, twenty five years ago or something? Like yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the dude is still scarred and the mob mentality that was around it, they tried to hush him. Oh, this never happened. His and then you get these other players on the team that are like, Well, Bob Knight never said anything bad to me. I love Bobby Knight. And that's cool. That's a great thing and all. But when you're getting encouraged, like, dude, stop being such a, you know, a baby about this situation. He, all he did was just, you know, kind of give you a stern talking to. Like, nah, he put his hands on you. Like, yeah. So that a problem. Just to give like, uh, so the player that you're talking about is uh, his uh, his name. And so Bob mm-hmm. Knight, he he uh, he choked him in 1997. Okay. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> and so the sexual assault. And I'm using that's my own words. He used a different word. Uh, made happened in 1988. So eight years and 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 beyond. So not I mean, so yeah. So, examples. So about or nine years. Yeah. After he said his comments, and nothing was done at those comments to. 97 okay when so who knows what happened between 88 and 97 and who knows what happened from the time coach knight first walked on that campus to the first time he made those comments how many other players could he have assaulted how many other players could he like he he made a reputation off of verbally berating players Mm -hmm. like that that was and and acting a fool and and not just with, with his players but with referees, clearly, with uh, administration. I mean, literally, the administration at IU was, like, terrified of him. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's terrible. And the, the thing is, the dude, it's not like he said these comments in private. This is no. on national television. Like, and, and it's... it's it's terrible, like like the, but this is we can say it was, a, it was a different time, and so we got to move on. It's a different time, but like responded when he said those things at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just kind of just brushed them under the, under the rug. Um, there, there's a there's a documentary out on Netflix called Last Chance You. It's a great documentary. Yes. If anyone ever gets yep. a chance to watch it, it's about these people going to junior college, um, and this is the last chance to try to for this for the last year or two that they're there to try to go play at Division One level and go play and win their dreams in the NFL. Um, so the first two seasons they followed one school, the next two seasons they followed another school. Um, the the uh, the coaches that, uh, that I'm talking about now from the, the most recent season of Last Change You. So hold up one second before I go further, Dave. Spoiler alert coming in five, 
four, three, two, one. Okay, if you have not turned off the, the podcast by now, <laughs> you, hey man, it's on. It's on you. I've warned you already. But the coach season of Last Chance U, um, he sent one of his players who is from Germany. He sent them a. He sent this player a text um, saying saying I am your Hitler after they have that that player had gotten in trouble at school. All right. Couple things wrong with this. Okay. Mm. First, when he said when he sent the text, the the uh the player first sent it he first went to the school. He first went to administration, athletic director and president, and asked them what could be done. And there was no response. Mm. So the player went next to the he went to the media. He he tweeted it out and told people this is what this coach has done. Okay. Then people responded. Then you see teachers on there on the documentary saying, "Well, what else could this guy have said?" Well. If you had not watched the first season where this guy was on there, you would have noticed that this dude had this has been a history of this dude saying these things and just being let and just letting these things go. So, but I do get from one instance it's a documentary, you can only show pieces and parts of a person's lives, and maybe the cameras are only rolling during the bad parts of someone's life, right? Mm-hmm. But from the other side of it, this man has had been berating players already. On his documentary, yep. There's a difference between like encouraging players and just completely humiliating them. Yeah, and there's something about like you know I'm listen I'm a competitor like to this day mm-hmm. I'm a competitor, and when I was playing sports I was competitive, and I mm-hmm. understood when my coaches got upset, but there was a difference between that and like the pure just like anger that would come out. It's just a mm-hmm. problem, and it has real effects on people, and people, like, really get messed up after stuff like that. I saw people that were gifted athletes, very good, and they they had the one running with the coach, and, you know, they couldn't handle that, and they it caused them to spiral. I'm talking, like, there are coaches out there I know that have ruined people's lives, and, and I mean that in, in a way that, you know, obviously they can't they can't take the credit for the fact that somebody became addicted to, to drugs or something like that. But when you berate somebody to the point that they quit and they are so distraught and they have psychological effects, it's no wonder that somebody would turn to something that would make them feel better than the coach that just told them that there's a reason that they should have never been born, that they should have, you know, that their, their mom messed up by even, you know, not, by terminating the pregnancy, not terminating the pregnancy. Like I literally have heard coaches say like, like things of that nature. And like, that's mm-hmm. unacceptable period. And and the fact that that can really mess somebody up it is a real problem. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's disturbing. And it's just like, and it's kind of sad that this is the level that we like, it's become acceptable mm-hmm. because like when I made that post about Coach Izzo, 
the response was, well, look, they're in the Sweet 16 now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, come on. Like, it doesn't change the fact that it was, well, his parents obviously sent him to that school. They obviously knew what kind of person he was. Like, yeah. Okay, man. Like, that's, I don't. I don't know. I. I just think that people. We just. We just make excuses of it, man. Yeah, absolutely. And they're kind of just lame excuses if you think about it in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it, it's. It's just you know. I think about it too. You know, with how, you know, right now as just somebody that, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of encounters with like, similar people to me. You know what I'm saying? Like I live far away from a lot of my friends. Like that sort yeah. of thing. So. You know, the majority of the things that I I see or read are social media. Uh, you know, I hear from people that, you know, I pass by at work or whatever. Um, but, you know, I just think about, it. we already kind of touched on it. Just, you know, how when somebody is tough or described as tough or, you know, I just think back to how people talk about the, the basketball, the age of basketball in the 80s and 90s and how, how tough it was, quote-unquote. <laughs> and I, I brought this up oh, yesterday, and, and, and this may sound crazy, but, like, I really feel some type of way about this, so I'm, like, willing to be wrong, but it really fires me up and annoys me. Because right now, basketball players get soft, get called soft, defense is soft, um, the uh, players that ask for trades are prima donnas. They're, uh, you know, all this stuff, yada, yada, yada. And listen, I, I in no means think that, like, this current age of basketball is, like, completely 100 million percent better than ever before. I do think there are more skilled players than there's ever been. But my beef is, is that, oh, well, in basketball in the 80s and 90s, you have players that played defense, and they were willing to go out there, and they were really willing to get in between the lines and, and fight and that sort of thing for their for their careers and all this stuff. You know who did that though? White people that were really not very good at basketball. And and like, well, you, and Dennis Rodman. And, and Dennis Rodman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you had, but in in the same sense, you look at like today, you look at Grayson Allen and people get yeah. absolutely distraught when he does anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like some of it is like, wow. Like we say, man, he's a dirty, he's a dirty player. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, you you want you want eighties and nineties basketball. There you go. Yeah, and, and the same, it's right there. And, you know, I'm not really a big Draymond fan, but when when he had his antics, like those would have one hundred percent been accepted in the eighties and nineties. And now, because he was like the Lone Ranger, like being kind of a dirty player, it was like a problem. But let me let me just finish this like piece. But like, I just think about like Bill Lambier. Like that dude with his same skill set would literally be like the second string guy on a G League team in the last 15 years of the NBA. Like he made a career out of being a bully and people called it tough. People called it this stuff. No, he fought because he could not do very well at basketball. Like he was good at fighting. And that was considered tough. That was considered like this, like bullish, like this is what you do. This is the era of basketball we're in. And that, that is true. That was the era. But you're just like now, fast forward 15 years from that kind of era, 
And what happens? The malice at the palace, right? And mm-hmm. what were those players? Refer- oh, they're thugs. I cannot believe they would have this fight. I cannot believe they would do this. They get mad at uh, Russell Westbrook because he's upset over a fan touching him. So you just keep seeing these flip-flop ideals. You know what I'm saying? Of like, how can one be one 10 years ago and completely different today? And and it's just all player dependent and that sort of thing. So like, like when we talk about like tough and things like that, like why can't LeBron be tough because he's played 16 seasons and like he's, he has physically survived probably taking a beating that in this day and age of the NBA, nobody else has taken in a sense of how many seasons he's played the, you know, there for a minute, he played in all the team USA stuff. Um, so plus just the wear and tear that sports has on your body. Like, why can't he be tough? No, instead he's called soft. He's, you know, prima donna, he's all these things and people want to bash him. And regardless of what you think about him, like the dude is tough, but because of his perception, he's not. And I, I just, I think that that can be really implicative of how people feel about race of like, Oh, well, he's an athlete. Why is he so spoiled? Like, instead of whatever else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it does. Yeah, race does play a a factor in how we view things. I think also time plays a a factor. Yeah, I agree. Like, like what generation you might have looked at this Mm -hmm. sport in. Yeah. For some reason, the glory days, people, when we refer back to those, it's just... It's always this time. We 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 over we over exaggerate sometimes that what what was the glory days? Yeah, and how, and what they really what they're really like. Um, but it uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that that's that's what I'll say. Time kind of matters. The time period in which those things matter. But I mean, it always happens. Like when we're comparing generations today, but we have to we have to. I think we have to be striving to make progress. I think there's always something better that we can do, especially yeah. if we are, if we admit that we are um, going to be, we're not a finished work until the day of completion, mm-hmm. that yeah. we have to keep going. Like there's always something that we can do to strive to be better. Yeah. And, and so when you say, well, this is the way, how they used to talk back in the days, they used to say so much stuff worse. It's like, but you have to, but don't you want to make progress? Yeah. Don't you want to be Absolutely. better? Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't talk like this at any other setting. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't it, go in and berate my coworkers or my boss like that in any other setting. Absolutely. And it's the same thing you just talked about progress. It's about how we get better. And I mean, if I sat here and was like, okay, well, I'm 27 now. When I was 15, I was doing this. And I'm like, like, I still kind of do that. So it's, I guess it's cool. Like, no, like life is about progress. Like you have to be like, man, I'm way better than I was 12 years ago because of my experience, because of the things I've learned. Yeah, the worst the thing in the I've world operated. is to end up being an old fool. You know, one yeah. Just old and foolish. It's kind of, yes. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, there's there's value in, in in keeping things the way they are now, but 
there there is there is some danger in uh in just looking back at, at just saying, Well, this is how things used to be, this is how we're gonna stay. I mean, if we're talking talking in the grand scheme of, of American history, things ain't really been there's ain't there's never been a decade where things have been just peachy for uh, minorities in America. Absolutely. I was actually just about to say, like, I feel like you're teetering on, like, the make America great again. Like, I just, like, to me, that's another thing that words matter because, you know, to the people that I love and care about from, you know, the Latino perspective, from, you know, the African-American perspective, like, America has never been great. (laughs) It's never been great to them. And I mean, when you say stuff like that, the, the first thing that people say is, well, what about the economy? It's like, you know what, man? Like the economy the economy is you're right, it's it's booming, you know? It's it's doing great. But it's never been great for for me. You know you know what I'm saying? Like there's mm-hmm. always been there's always been some kind of hindrance. And that's all I mean, I guess that leads to a whole different conversation, but it's one of the, it's just one of those things where we just don't under we, we just don't understand sometimes when you when you when you like let's say you grow up in that in that context like a suburban context and and you, you look at everything in your whole life has just been it's been nice you know yeah so then when you see people get upset about how things are ran you get offended instead of just checking your own heart and then evaluating where that person may be coming from mm-hmm. absolutely which kind of goes back to like you don't have to respond to everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's better just to check our hearts first and then go out to respond to to those things. And I guess that kind of goes, kind of like sums up almost our whole conversation here is that absolutely like, before you go out and you tweet this rant about infestations, before you go out and you text someone that you're their you're their new Hitler, before you go out on national TV, TV, television. And you go out and you talk about sexual assaults, and before, like before, you go out and you berate a coach, or you berate a player. Like, check your heart, yeah, for it, and be honest with yourself, and not not mm-hmm. just check your heart against your own standards. Like, biblically, Christians, we check our heart according to the Word, mm-hmm. and when we do that, we always fall short. Mm-hmm. If we're being honest with ourselves. Like that, we we all there. There are there could be some hidden sin there, and it's always I I, I love this saying. Um, it's easier to look out the window than it is to look in the mirror. Mm. Um, it's easy to look at other people's problems than it is to look at in the mirror and look at myself honestly. And so, that's what I would. That's kind of what my suggestion would be: is just look at yourself honestly, and think, like, am I doing the right things? You know. <clears throat> yeah and be okay with like not being okay hmm. like it's it's all right to not have the answer to to not be right to just not be perfect because we're not we're imperfect people and it's okay to say i'm sorry i i don't understand that i'm you know it's okay to apologize like like you said it best like we have to be able to examine ourselves in this in in this life and be able to 
you know, try to do our best to respect and love one another. Uh, and I just, I think that that just simple like thought process can really change your outlook and, you know, it may not change your political view. That's okay. It probably shouldn't, you know what I'm saying? Like you feel some type of way that, about what you feel. That's cool. But like, like let others just say, Hey, I, I disagree with this. Let me tell you why. And be like, cool. Well, I agree with that to an extent, but Hey, here's where I'm at and be I, done with it. It's just, agree to disagree and move on. Exactly. Exactly. Like this life is hard enough as it is when you pit yourself against the people that you um, are running this race with, it makes it even harder. Yep. Like the tour de France just happened last week. Like if the lead racer was like, you know what? I am so tired of all these other people. And he just was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sabotage this whole race. And he just wrecks in front of everybody and causes them to wreck. And after he wrecks, he like, like everybody that drives by, he like stops and grabs their tire. So they wreck too. Like, like that's a lot of work for somebody to wreck other people's lives. <laughs> so I just yeah. think about like, we're doing that every day on social media, every day in life when, you know, we have to go after somebody that feel like we feel wronged us at a stoplight or at the grocery store or whatever. Like we're, we're wrecking ourselves to wreck them. And it's just, it's really impactful in a lot of ways. And I think it hurts a lot of psyche on both sides of that. Coin, I think so. one of those things is we're, we're going to go back you know how, like, if, if you're privileged enough to have grandparents in your life, you could go back to your grandparents and you can ask them, like, how could you let this stuff go on? Like, mm-hmm. what were you all thinking? Yeah. You know, it, and for my grand, for my grandparents, it's like, did you not notice there was, like, racism going on? You know, like, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. it was blatant. And uh, my grandmother's response is, that's just the way things were. Mm-hmm. And my, I think, you know, when if we're privileged enough and blessed enough to have grandchildren, our grandchildren be like, how could you let people say these things and do these yeah. things on social media and not, no one ever stop it? And the response would be like, that's just the way things, and like, I, that's my fear is that we just look at things and say, well, that's just the way things were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I don't want to be that generation for sure. To, when it comes to the way the way our words are perceived, for sure. That's that's one hundred, man. Listen, dude, this has been a great conversation. If you've listened up until this point, we've definitely made it into two podcasts. Uh, so we're for excited sure. to to flesh this out and and have more discussion. Please join us. Uh, feel free to comment on our posts write us, uh, you know, a direct message or send us an email. Like, let's chat about, like, more on this stuff. And let's be willing to be like, okay, well, Dave was wrong about that. I'm cool with it, whatever. <laughs> and just and just let's come to the table and, and let's keep on addressing these issues. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about the direction in which we're heading with this podcast and how we're kind of really gearing more towards this uh, really um, – drilled down version of what we want to discuss and uh, i really appreciate you Devin, a lot engaging in this conversation so yeah man i appreciate you too dave all right well that's all i got man it's been real all right peace peace